0: Welcome to episode 82 of the FarmExec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, senior editor of FarmExec magazine and your podcast host. FarmExec magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sandor Shoyket, an independent advisor and director of Meridian Management Consultants based in San Francisco, and Thomas Scheiviller, an independent advisor and board member based in Zurich. Sandor and Thomas talk about integrating environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, issues into biopharma business planning and communicating with capital investors about these areas. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Sandor and Thomas.
1: What if you had limitless access to Customer Insights? Accelerated timelines and set fees. At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at True
0: Hello podcasters, today I'll be interviewing Sandor Shoichet, an independent advisor and director of Meridian Management Consultants based in San Francisco and PharmExec's sustainability columnist. We also have Sandor's co-collaborator, Thomas Scheiviller, an independent advisor and board member based in Zurich. This June, Sandor and Thomas are co-hosting a biopharma CEO investor forum where they'll discuss many of the topics we'll touch on today In regard to biopharma's approach to integrating environmental, social, and governance or ESG issues into business strategy. Thanks for joining us today gentlemen.
2: Hello there.
3: Hello everybody, my pleasure.
0: So could you each give us a little background first about how you became involved in this area?
2: Sure, it'd be a pleasure. My background is in computer systems engineering, and change management with larger companies. I spent a lot of years working in telecommunications and package transportation and banking before getting involved with the biopharma industry, building clinical trials management systems. And my interest in healthcare and biopharma just sort of grew from there. Worked in clinical operations and then technical operations and then management process redesign. And that led some of my clients to ask me to facilitate some pre-competitive peer-to-peer discussions in the area of environmental sustainability. That first meeting was in 2013, sponsored by Bloomberg and Genentech. And the roundtable has grown from there. One of the first people that came to that meeting was Thomas and I'll hand it over to him.
3: Yeah, thank you, Sandra, for setting the scene. I'm Thomas, based in Zurich, Switzerland, and in the first part of my career, I spent almost 20 years with one of the big four companies building and also leading their sustainability business globally. For the last eight years, besides my involvement in the biopharma sustainability roundtable that started exactly in 2013, as Sandor mentioned, I was also a member of a corporate sustainability committee of a big pharma company and in some other advisory boards and boards. So that's kind of the background where I'm coming from. My subject matter expertise is around sustainability and ESG, and also to a large extent on integrity, compliance, and governance.
0: Great. So how have ESG issues shifted over the years for pharma? And what has driven the growth and importance in this area?
3: Yeah, maybe I can take that. I think it's a generally accepted consensus that today ESG or sustainability is a strategic business issue. That hasn't been always the case. And today I would say it's typically on the agenda of board of directors and executive teams. And uh, what we are witnessing right now, uh, these years, I have to say, is a mainstreaming of sustainability and ESG. I could see two major drivers that have led to this and contributed to this. And number one is capital markets. And number two is the regulators. And the capital markets, maybe we can we can uh, dig a bit deeper uh, in, in a few minutes. But let me just quickly mention the regulators, because that's largely underestimated. We see thousands of ESG-related regulations mushrooming all over the world, mostly related to mandatory disclosure, but not only. Increasingly, we see also process regulations in terms of due diligence that is mandatory for certain areas, subject matter areas in the supply chain, et cetera. One has to say that the EU is setting the pace at the moment, all under the umbrella of their so-called Green Deal, which includes regulation that is targeted at financial services industries, mainly with an indirect impact on real economy companies like biopharma. And some of it is also directly impacting real economy companies, mainly around the disclosure of non-financial information. So these two are the main drivers that kind of push the discussion about sustainability and ESG
2: to the senior leadership levels. And I'd just add one comment that there's another whole background context for this, which is prominently characterized by the Sustainable Development Goals from the UN and the UN Global Compact that's working with businesses to orient themselves towards those goals. Stemming from the environmental side, that has created a context in which many senior managements, boards, investors, regulators as a community have started to think about business in a wider sense than just as a profit engine, but adding concepts about social impact and value to the way that companies are evaluated and managed.
0: And why are capital investors looking for more effective and efficient ESG communications directly from companies that include longer-term strategy and vision?
3: Well, I believe there has been a paradigm shift in the capital markets in general, and that has to do with the fact that today there is scientific evidence that companies who manage their material sustainability or high-priority sustainability topics well are outperforming their peers in the long run. And this has turned around the way that capital markets or investors or analysts look at sustainability and ESG fundamentally. 10 years back, or maybe 15 years back, there were mainly approaches based on an inclusion principle where you said, yeah, you know, values-based, I don't like this and that industry, be it gambling or any other controversial industry, for instance, that you excluded from your investment portfolio. Today, ESG is looked at a driver for long-term outperformance. And this has triggered the construction of asset management and investment products that seek to outperform an average uh, market index. And if you look at the topics that play a role, what are these high priority topics? Obviously, in our biopharma industry, then it's about access to medicine and pricing. It's about product safety, uh, but it's also about business ethics, compliance and integrity, for instance. So it's to a large extent in the social dimension where you find the high priority topics for this biopharma sector.
0: How can looking at ESG issues from a focused industry perspective improve communications?
2: Oh, thank you. That's a great question. It's really important to think about ESG issues from a sector-specific point of view. Every business sector has different key issues that are the most important for it to focus on. In biopharma, despite the background context of environmental awareness that's driving uh, so much of the activity globally, there are some very specific issues which are unique to biopharma and that we need to focus on. One of the keys is access to medicines It's unique to our sector that shows up in two very different ways in the developed world, like here in the U.S. or in Europe. It shows up in terms of pricing equitable pricing for access to therapeutics and cures. In the developing world, it shows up as healthcare system strengthening, just the raw ability to deliver new medicines and therapies, both in terms of physical infrastructure, like freezers and transportation, and in terms of training and facilities, having access to appropriate medical care and hospitals. There's also an extremely high social impact value from medicine and healthcare A number of studies have shown, particularly in developing economies, that improving healthcare is one of the biggest levers available to drive social development. Disease takes people from work, generates costs, and so forth. So that's an extremely important contribution of our sector. And it has an interesting two-part element to it. One is the initial availability of new therapeutics, in which we can work to improve global availability and equitable distribution. The other one is visibility of the long tail benefit as drugs go into generic offerings and become much more widely available at lower costs. Both are impacts of our sector. And the last one is employee interest. Biopharma companies by and large have highly educated life science oriented employees who find all the issues about environmental impacts and social impacts and value to be extremely important to them. So it has really shown up as an employee acquisition and retention issue uh, for many of the companies that participate in our roundtable.
3: If I may add to that, I mean, at a at general level, it is a fact that ESG agendas are sector-specific. So each industry has their own priority topics. Now, if you accept the fact that Markets can only function efficiently if the relevant data is available. And if you accept the fact that ESG is now a mainstream business topic, then it's obvious that you need uh, to have a focused and industry perspective around this type of communication.
0: What are some industry-specific tools biopharma can use in preparing long-term plans to share with investors?
2: Our work over the last few years has focused on the development of a biopharma investor ESG communications guidance document. This is this a subset of the pharma companies that are part of our sustainability roundtable who have been especially interested in working on improving the communication channel between themselves and the key institutional investors that drive their stock prices. The guidance is not a framework or a standard. It's the result of a multi-year direct dialogue between the sustainability professionals within the biopharma companies and the ESG and sector analysts in the larger institutional investor companies in order to identify the highest priority topics that both sides care about, the issues involved in communicating about them effectively. And lately, we're starting to work more on the metrics that allow us to quantify and track performance in these areas. This has been very important because both groups, as we surfaced at some of our uh, meetings starting in 2018, have felt very frustrated by the amount of noise in the communication channel By the opacity of some of the third-party rating and ranking agencies that tried to track sustainable behavior, given that the way biopharma works is rather distinct, as we've just been talking about from many other sectors. So we have now hooked up with the Chief Executives for Corporate Purpose, which is a long-standing organization of basically Fortune 500 CEOs that focuses on managing for the long-term and not just the short-term. And at the beginning of June, we'll be running our Biopharma CEO Investor Forum together with them. And this is seen as a venue for CEOs to talk about their long-range vision and strategies as a counterpoint to the short-term information that might be conveyed say at a earnings call. To support that, we have prepared a practitioner's guide to integrating sustainability themes into long-term plans by combining the long-term planning framework that had been developed by CECP across sectors with the ESG communications guidance that we developed specifically for the biopharma sector. And this is letting us put together a forum that is focused on one sector where all the CEOs are coming from the biopharma companies and will be leveraging this work to integrate ESG themes into their long-term plans.
3: One could say that what we contribute to that event is some kind of, with our guidance that, that Sandor had mentioned previously, some kind of a blueprint of a list of material topics for the biopharma industry and what differentiates us from from other initiatives is that we have been able to build a consensus with one important stakeholder group namely the capital markets and we have also started to engage with standard organizations and rating organizations in much the same way
0: you touched a little bit on this Sandra but you know how do you, you see your upcoming ceo investor forum helping companies
2: well it's a fun question because we're kind of involved in the mix of working with the CEO's communication teams at each of the nine companies that have so far committed to participate. One of the key issues within most large pharma companies, as it is with all companies, is functional siloing. So the opportunity to have the CEO explicitly include ESG themes in a long-term oriented presentation to the investor community, it drives connectivity inside the companies between the sustainability professionals, the investor relations team, corporate communications, risk management, and the CEO's own communications team. So that's one of the, the biggest benefits that we're seeing right at the beginning is driving connectivity between all these groups, getting them to speak to each other. And with some of the tools that we just discussed a moment ago, trying to give them a common language to talk about these issues with each other.
3: Yeah, you, Sander, mentioned kind of what the benefit for those companies is that actively contribute. Uh, perhaps there's also value in those who just you know, connect and listen, because if you look at the impressive lineup of CEOs that we have, it's perhaps inspirational to learn uh, from the best or from the leading companies of this world. And the second aspect that I wanted to mention here is that Uh, Of course, we need to or we want to keep the dialogue with the investment community open and they will be on the receiving end and can ask questions. And that's something that is of a value in itself to keep that dialogue about sustainability and ESG topics at the industry level open and ongoing.
0: Well, Sandra, Thomas, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really interesting learning about how ESG issues are evolving and what pharma can do to stand out in this area.
2: My pleasure. Elaine, thank you so much.
1: What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at TrueSerumNTWK.com.
0: And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs.
2: This is Sandor Schrockett. I'm an independent advisor and the director of Meridian Management, which produces the Biopharma Sustainability Roundtable. And for my management tip, I will echo some of the themes we were just talking about today, which is the importance of vision and communication in leadership. Most of my experience has been implementing large-scale systems and doing process management changes in in companies. And the key to success in these kinds of projects is being able to articulate a vision of why the future is going to be better, to communicate how the transition is gonna happen, and to engage not only the people who are directly affected, but all the stakeholders of the process or company, because collectively, they have to allow this change to happen.
3: I'm Thomas Scheinwiller. I'm the co-founder of the Biopharma Sustainability Roundtable. I'd like to share an advice that I have been given by a client of mine, myself being an advisor. And this senior executive told me on a project, don't tell me what to think, but what to think about. And I took this really to my heart because I believe that defines the role that I have as an independent advisor.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Farm Exec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at com.